0: Extraordinary Districts in Extraordinary Times. Hi, this is Karen Chenoweth from the Education Trust. This podcast is one of a series of conversations with expert school and district leaders to find out what they are doing in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Today, May 15th, I am talking with Melissa Mitchell, principal of George Hall Elementary in Mobile, Alabama. In addition, I'm really pleased to say we have Mobile's Deputy Superintendent of Academic Affairs, Dr. LaKeisha Brackens and Superintendent Russell Redgill. A few episodes ago, I spoke with Faith Lucy, Principal of Dr. Robert W. Gilliard Elementary School in Mobile. I was struck by how much she praised the way the district had supported her school by swiftly organizing help to students and teachers. I was hearing the same thing from Melissa Mitchell. In an email, she wrote that Superintendent Threadgill is an amazing leader and that she is proud to work for him. I have known Melissa Mitchell for many years. I first met her when she was the literacy coordinator for George Hall under the leadership of Terry Tomlinson. Ms. Mitchell was a key part of what she calls the transformation. And she became principal when Ms. Tomlinson retired. Ms. Mitchell emailed me that if I wanted to talk with a district leader who is making really great strides to provide an equitable education during this time, I should talk with Superintendent Threadgill. I take those kinds of recommendations really seriously. Welcome, Ms. Mitchell, Superintendent Threadgill, and Dr. Brackens. I hope you are all safe and healthy.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Ms. Mitchell, I first want to ask you what you have found most helpful in terms of district support. I think
2: in, in the beginning when we knew that schools were going to close, there was a period of time where we um, closed for a few weeks to wait for the state um, to make a plan and it gave time for our district to make a plan. In the beginning, there was a lot of you know fear and uncertainty of what that was going to look like. Um, and then when the plan was released, it was just um, such a... A relief because everything that we were worried about was thought of, and there was a plan in place for anything that you can think of. From a very vast district, and and I worried about my kids' needs, and it was nice to see that um, throughout all of Mobile County and all the different um, types of schools that the needs of every child was
0: addressed in their plan. Superintendent Threadgill, let me ask you to walk us backwards a little. What had to happen on your end? For Melissa Mitchell to say my kids were thought of, because it's true. You have a big district. You have more than fifty thousand kids. Some are very wealthy. Some like M- Melissa Mitchell's students are not. Um, how did you How did you balance all of that?
3: Well, first, um, what I did was I assembled a team, a team that consists of uh, several different. Um, People. Uh, they had di- diverse areas of ex- expertise. And we first um, came up with a pandemic plan. Uh, once, because the, the district did not have a pan- pandemic plan, uh, so we came up with a pandemic plan. Um, and after that, uh, we just started to figure out how were we going to address everyone in, in the district. And I will tell tell you this: uh, the most difficult part with having a large school district of almost 54,000 students and almost 8,000 em, em, employees, the hardest thing was to communicate our plan to everyone and for everyone to be on the same page. I think that was the most difficult part. Uh, I, I often laugh, and I'll get to the uh, to answer your question in just a second. But I often laugh. When people say, um, ask, ask me how I'm doing uh, throughout this whole situation, and I just kind of laugh because this is just leadership. Uh, when you have a problem as a leader, you have to figure out a way to solve it. When it's something that's in the way, you have to figure out a way to remove that obstacle. Uh, so I feel no different today than I felt six or seven months months ago. Uh, but what I would like to do, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Brackens because she was very in- instrumental in all of our plans. Our con- our continuity plan, our contingency plan, um, and and a lot of thought and a lot of arms was involved in that plan. So I want to turn it over to her to kind of go through uh, our con- continuity plan, our contingency plan, and what exactly that looked like, and then I'll jump jump in and kind of um, validate some of the things that she referenced. Dr. Brack.
1: Yes, sir. So, um, the first thing that as as central office leaders we had to consider is what was our superintendent's vision, and what was his vision moving forward? So, I commend Mr. Thregill for his leadership, because his leadership is, you know, he empowers others. So he gave us his his vision of where where we needed to be, and that's how we started with our contingency plan. So with our, our, excuse me, our continuity plan. So our con- continuity plan was based on here we are. What will we do if it gets upon us? And then immediately after that, we, it was upon us so we had to come up with a contingency plan. Okay, it's here, so what do we do? So our main goal as district leaders, myself, Mr. Threadgill, as long with executive team members, our thing was two things. One, how are we going to continue educating almost fifty-three to 54,000 students? And two, how do we take it, the relief off of our principals and our teachers so that they are just not burdened down to come up with plans. So what we did was we assembled the best of the best of our academic leaders in the team and on our team, and we came up with an academic plan. And that academic plan, we bounced it around a million times to make sure that it was thorough and that once we put it in front of our principals, we didn't want them to have to come and say, well, what about this, what about that, what about this? We wanted to put it in their hands so that they could execute it. So we came up with our models of blended learning. We decided, okay, not all kids are gonna be able to do computerized. Not all kids are gonna be able to do packets. So we wanted the, the parents and the students to have options as far as what they choose would be the best way for them to continue being educated. So that's where um, Ms. Mitchell is going when she says we meet met all the needs. So our first mode was our online instruction. That's where we took our various platforms to include Nearpod, Google Classroom, Vocabulary, all of our uh, our, And we wanted to do things that the kids were used to. We didn't introduce them to anything new already. We took all of those and our teachers did Google Classrooms to execute online learning. And then um, Mr. Threadgill had this amazing idea as far as we have all these resources in our television and our production studio So why can't we go online on TV every day and teach our kids from a face-to-face teacher? So we had either they could do an instructional packet with the television instruction, or they could do um, instruction via strictly online. So we let the parents and the students choose. But you know, even though we had those modes of learning, there was a lot of planning that had to go into. We had to take into consideration grades. We had to take into consideration how are we going to get the packets? How are we going to get them back out? How are we going to get the materials? So we pretty much within the in two weeks totally transformed education in Mobile County. We changed from textbooks to online books. So the look of um, education is totally different and we um, we we often say to each other, you know this is going to make our system better. If we do not see this as oh my goodness, this is was a bad thing. we think it's a great thing because we're going to continue to be better as a district as we move forward.
3: and the most impressive thing to 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 me is we wanted to make sure that it was comprehensive and I don't necessarily mean that, as far as the, con- the content, but comprehensive um, to those who have and to those who have not. And that was very important to us to make sure that we provided the essential tools for all of our students to be su- successful. And I think we did an excellent job with, with that.
0: So were you able to get computers in the hands of students and Wi-Fi in the hands of students or, you weren't, and you, you provided packets and television.
3: Right, so so what we had to do, we sent out a survey uh, to all of our parents and all of our homes to kind of um, get a grasp of how many families, how many homes, how many students did not have um, co- connectivity, did not have internet, did not have devices. Uh, so I think we delivered, we had to purchase and de- deliver almost 10,000 devices and thousands of wi- Wi-Fis to homes uh, to provide for those for those students and and those families. Now the challenging part with, with that there are some homes that have multiple uh, students. Uh, so we were only uh, giving them one, one device so they had to ro- rotate it out. Um, but it has been very uh, very uh, successful task. Uh, We also uh, created a hot hotline for our parents, our students, and our teachers. uh, That if they had any questions as it relates to any instruction, any curriculum questions, or even tech technical questions such as uh, troubleshooting, uh, they could call that hot hotline and uh, get all their questions answered. We also created a website just for our instructional and on online. blended learning uh, for the parents as well as the teachers. So a lot of planning went on in a matter of uh, several weeks.
1: And might I add, um, while we were in the midst of coming up with a continuity academic plan, graduation and seniors were upon us. So we had to quickly, you know, get information out about K-11 and turn around and make our seniors our priority. So in order to make, since this is such a critical time for them and it's a difficult time for our seniors, we came up with individualized plans for all 3,500 of our seniors, whereas either they were clear or they had courses to, um, Take within the period of time to ensure that as many graduates as we can out of that 3,500 will be walking across the stage in the matter of a week.
3: While while the same same time that as a public school uh, we have to provide breakfast and lunch, and we were still able, uh, we did not miss a beat. We were still able. We we had 21 prepping sites. 66 different delivery sites, uh, and we delivered, now it's over 300,000 meals per week. Uh, So we're very, very proud that we could um, give those students and those homes proper breakfast and lunch. And if I
2: could add on to that, uh, just to... The food has been amazing. Um, For my neighborhood, it comes through. We're one of the sites where they stop um, every morning. And it's nice to know that our students know that breakfast and lunch is going to be provided. And Dr. Brackens and Mr. Threadgill also got their food handlers permit. And they were part of that. It was awesome to see them online. They were part of it. And so things like that is what really makes you proud of your district to know that, you know, everyone will step up and, and do whatever they need to do.
0: Thank you. So, so you're, you're feeding and you're educating. How do you feel like Dr. Brackens, do you feel like there's a loss of learning, but I want to get to the high school students and and uh, the high school seniors in a minute. But do you feel like when you come back, you're going to have to step it up? Um, The kids are going to have to step it up. Or do you feel like "Hmm, we kind of got this? They're, they're fine. Well,
1: we are actually with this is our last week of instruction next week our students are taking the end of the year assessment which is very going to be a critical part in letting the data drive how we begin next year do i think that we had some kids who did not adjust well to online learning or blended learning of course do we have kids that we thought weren't going to be successful with this blended learning of course so, you know, it's hard to gauge until that data comes back in, but I will commend our teachers because our teachers, we had a 333 model, three critical standards, three grades, and the teachers, we gave them the most critical standards. What do these students need to know to go to the next grade level? So, if our teachers taught the standards, not just taught them, but taught them to mastery, our students should be fine coming into next year. But um, Mr. Threadgill has directed um, our our academic team to allow time for review when we come back in. So we're going to go back on modified um, quarters instead of just four standard quarters. We will allow time to go back and review those standards to make sure before we start teaching new content that we've taught that to mastery. So um, I'm a little hesitant to say, yes, I think they've um, improved or if they stay the same until that data comes in. But we have we have an assessment called, um, we use I-Ready, the IREADY suite. So when they take their IREADY reading and math, it's going to show us from the beginning of the year to the end of the year where they grew. And not only is it going to give us that data, it's going to tell us this child knows this standard. This child does not know this standard. And then that allows our teachers to individualize that, assess, um, that instruction. So if we did not have that, if we did not do that next week with our students, our teachers will be coming in blind So I feel that our teachers are coming back well-prepared with knowing where every child in our district is and how they need to let that data drive their instruction when they begin school in August or whenever they begin.
3: And I will say this, to be honest with you, I received a lot of backlash for actually uh, having this model. Uh, Some of the systems um, around us basically just gave either uh, worksheets or busy work. Uh, but unfortunately, we have students that are already two and year, uh, two and three years behind. And research research shows that during the summer months, our kids lose something. And I could not afford for our kids to stay out five months without anything, without being engaged. And so I received that backlash. But that's just something that um, that needed to happen.
0: I'm. Grappling with this idea of the backlash, where did the backlash come from, from other superintendents? Um, Mm
3: -hmm. From teachers, from parents, uh, from uh, stakeholders, uh, just couldn't understand why we were still pushing the kids and um, expecting them to be engaged. Um, So I get a lot of backlash, uh, but when I know it's for the right reasons and I know it's for the students, Uh, I don't mind it at all.
1: And I will add to that, that um, Mr. Threadgill's motto is 110% each and every day. So when he says 110%, even if everything shut down, we still had to make sure these students had everything they needed to learn. And our teachers, you know, anytime there's change, there's pushback. And this was a total mindset shift for a lot of our teachers. So when they finally saw, aha, these kids can do it. And once the bar was set high, they had to strive to meet that bar because the 110% did not go away just because we're in a pandemic. Even though we were um, sympathetic, empathetic to everyone's needs, we can't stop pushing. The only way we're going to get better is to keep pushing. And that's what we did. And, you know, Mr. Dragil, um, he, he leads from the back. So he pushes us out front to make to make us better, to make the district better. And that's exactly what we've embraced. And now that we've had a total mindset shift, as I said earlier, the district is only going to be better. There's no hesitation in that statement that whenever school starts back, Mobile County Public Schools will be a better district.
0: I'm struck by a lot of what you, you are both saying, but one of the things I ju- I don't want to lose it before I forget is your insistence that you have to look at the data. I think, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what data means. You know, it's, somehow it sounds punishing to people, <laughs> but what you're saying, right? But what you're saying is we need to see where the kids are so that we know what to do when we come back. And that's the point of the data. And I, I just, I wanna just reinforce that idea because I, I think sometimes that's misunderstood. Um, so let me ask about the, the high school seniors. You said they're gonna walk across the stage. They're actually gonna walk across the stage or how are you doing that?
3: Kind of a sore subject right now, but- um,
0: Ooh, Sorry.
3: <laughs> we we had um, several different plans and and that's, I'm a very proactive person and I have millions of plans. I have plan A, B and C. Uh, <laughs> but uh we we had a plan to do a drive through uh and then our governor um uh, came out with a new order uh to allow ceremonies. Um so yes, they will be walking across the stage. Um we will have an outdoor stadium, um, and the graduates will will uh, be six feet apart. They are only allowed to bring five guests, and they will also be uh, six six feet apart. And uh, we will only give the Val and sal speech. The kids will walk across the stage. We will not shake hands. Um, all the graduates are required to wear masks. All the spectators are required to wear masks. We've actually um, just purchased. Uh, just ordered um, keepsake masks for all the graduates with the school logo on it um, for them to keep. So this would be live stream. Uh, we also are going to do a DVD form to take home with them. Uh, it's also going to be on U- YouTube. Uh, so we will have a face to face graduation and they will we'll ra- walk across the stage. Um, but it's just going to be limited um, people there.
0: And I'm assuming we're talking high school by high school, not yeah. one big huge. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah, but I'm gonna just guess. Mobile County has had a spike in uh, in cases um, of coronavirus. Mobile County has fairly high percentage of of people with diabetes and other comorbidities, so you're not going to get everybody. Everybody's right. not coming. <laughs> No, not, that's my guess.
3: And and that's we don't want we don't want them to, to come if
0: <laughs> if they're immune if Fries. immunocompromised, yeah. Right. But the plan a, plan b, plan c. I mean, I'm sure you have more than that. You've always had hurricane plans. Mobile has hurricane plans, right? This is something quite different. Is there something big that you you have learned from this?
3: Um you know, I'm, I'm going to always take a positive. Um, and what I've learned from all of this is kind of what Dr. Bracken said. I think she's, um, I think we've been together so much. She's starting to talk like me, which is, (laughs) I don't know if it's good or bad, but I think people who we thought weren't leaders have really stepped up. Um, people who we, um, thought we're leaders, we realize aren't leaders. But this has brought the best out of so many of our people. And now that I think that they see that even if you change your mindset, even if you are in a different environment, even when you're in a crisis, Mobile County Public Schools can rise to the occasion. And I think once all of this is over, we're going to be stronger we're going to be better. Uh, we're going to look at things differently. Our mind uh, set will change. Uh, so I think this whole crisis is going to make our school district better, and I, and, and we're going to make sure that it's better.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I'll I'll add to that. Um, I did everything he he Mr. Regal says and. You know, with Mobile County with 8,000 employees, 53,000 students, by nature of the beast, they are going to be silos. And we, we've often had conversation as far as, well, how do we break these silos? How do we get Team A working with Team B? How do we get Team F working with Team Z? How do we get School A working with School B? And we think this pandemic has knocked down all those walls. You know, people often say, Let's think outside the box. We think Mobile County now has just destroyed the box. There isn't a box. Push, we're pushing ourselves to the limit. and you know, and i I, I keep going back to this. All of that starts at the top from the vision of the leader. And I think all of this is coming into place. Because of Mr. Thraegill. And I'm not saying that because he's, stand, he's sitting right here by me, but Miss Mitchell knows Miss <laughs> Mitchell knows anytime I get in front of a group of people, I'm gonna give credit where credit is due. And because of our leader, we don't have a box. We're not we he always says we don't want to be average. We don't want to fit in with the state, we don't want to fit in with the um local. We want to be nationally known as Mobile County Public Schools that are making decisions and making moves in the best interest of students. And that's exactly what we're being forced to do during this time and will continue
0: to do. Well, this all fills me with hope and cheer and uh, a very. <laughs> it all seems very doable now. Right? <laughs> um, thank you so much. Uh, we at EdTrust, hope you and your families and everyone in Mobile stay safe and healthy and that high school graduation Just goes swimmingly and everybody has a good time I now want to introduce my colleague Tanji Reed Marshall. Tanji's a longtime teacher and is EdTrust director of practice Tangie, uh, the folks in Mobile are facing some difficulties, but they just seem so together about
4: and so able to handle it. And I think the most important word is vision. Like none of this happens without clear, focused, definitive vision that says we will do what is right for whom first? Children. And whatever backlash I'm getting, I'm gonna take that backlash because at the end of the day, my primary customer are the children who I have been given the privilege and express responsibility to educate. And I am glad for that mindset. And I'm hoping that as you know, Dr. Brackens and Mr. Dreadgill have said, that this makes everybody stronger, everybody better, right? That we really have now been forced back into the vision for what is best for kids, Because a lot of times it's a lot easier to say we're going to do things for kids, but then we kind of like make things easier for adults, you know, and and he's like, nope, I got the backlash. But this is about kids. This is about leadership. What did he say? This is just leadership. So I feel just like today that I would have felt a month ago. Right. Because like school is school. And we know that school is a dynamic place and just stuff happens every day, right? And so if I'm a leader, who I am as a leader didn't start because my building had to close, my district had to pick up school and move it, right? My leadership is every day, all day, for their words, 110%, every kid, every day, all the time, right? Like, we're not like, oh, now the kids are really important. Like, were they not before? (laughs) So I'm like, how important are the kids all the time? And I'm just super excited and can't wait to see what comes when school gets back open in the buildings, because we can just feel this sense of energy that speaks to the possibilities and the urgency and the demand. So
0: So what would be interesting would be to talk to some students in Mobile and see how they're They're feeling? Are they feeling beleaguered? Are they feeling? That's right. They might. They might be feeling kind of, I can't believe I have all this work. And (laughs) my friends who live, you know, or my cousins who live in
4: Mm -hmm. Escambia County, they don't. They don't. That's (laughs) right. I mean, you know, and I think that's a natural, you know, tendency because we can't help as humans but to compare. But there's also going to be this understanding that in the long run, what my district did for me is what's best because you and I have said, kids understand what school is about, that they leave their house and they go to this place and these things happen, right? That's called learning. And students expect to learn, you know, in conversations I've had with students and I would love to talk to their students. I've had the kids are like, yeah, I want my work, right? Like, I want my work. Give me my work. You know, let me do my work, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Molly Bensinger Lacey, who I've written about many times, she talks about the academic needs of kids, and we're 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 very clear that kids need to eat. Everybody knows kids need to eat. Everybody knows ki- kids need safety. They need to learn. Kids know that they know they need to learn,
4: and they respect people who expect them to learn. They absolutely do, and I think what was so important and so I appreciate they both talked about. Students rising to the expectation. You know, we are going to be sympathetic, we are going to be empathetic, but we are not going to back away from expectations. Um, Your circumstances don't necessarily mean you can't do the academics. You know what I mean? We just have to help you, we have to support you as you walk through this very difficult time and this challenging time. So, our job is to support you as much with everything we've got so that we help you mitigate some of the challenge that you might automatically be facing that may have increased, right? But we're still about the business of educating children and we are still about the business of expecting the best out of our students. And what better example to give to districts around the country than this absolute unwavering statement of academic expectations of excellent that are coming through a vehicle of support of planning of everything else you know that you can't get away from that you just can't get away from that
0: and i think that that was a wonderful wrap-up um, i think that wraps this episode up of uh education trust podcast extraordinary districts in extraordinary times Our aim is to bring you the voices of thoughtful educators grappling with all the questions of equity and excellence that face educators today, and I think we heard a great example. Please subscribe so you are notified of new episodes. If you think this is a valuable podcast, recommend us to folks in your network and leave a review wherever you got this podcast. And if there's a particular educator you'd like to hear from, let me know who and why. You can email at extraordinarydistricts at edtrust.org or tweet at EdTrust, or me at Karen Chenoweth, K-A-R-I-N-C-H-E-N-O-W-E-T-H, or Tangie at at Remarsh76. Mike Patillo records and edits this podcast from Tonal Park. He was able to record our conversation through the magic of Zoom. Thanks to the whole team at EdTrust for helping get this podcast launched. And thank you to the Wallace Foundation for providing financial support. Thanks, and see you next time.